Amen. Good to be saved. At least for me, anyways. Glad you came tonight. Well, <clears throat> we're going to undertake something uh, of a vast nature here. And um, we're going to begin a series of studying on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And uh, there'll be plenty of scripture for you to look up. And I put, I put everything on the board, and I know you can't read it from there, but at the end of the day, if you've missed something, you can come up here and grab it. That's why I put it up there. I didn't put it up there to be like a walking, you know, so you can see every move we make here, but it uh, might behoove you to take a note or two, <clears throat> and I would challenge you, uh, whatever you think you know about the Holy Spirit, it might be right, and it might not be. So I just my prayer uh, for our church here is that you get a better understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what He does, and what His job is. Amen? I think you'll find as we go through these things, it's, uh, it's very enlightening. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. And there's nothing like uh, getting light from the King James Bible. Amen? But uh, in the study of pneumatology, uh, that's, a, that's a big word, isn't it? That's a 50-cent word. And uh, we're, we're in a day and age where our vocabulary has dwindled down to almost nothing. Uh, we now, we speak in, we don't even speak or we don't even text. A lot of times we communicate in pictures. So that's where our vocabulary has come from. So you have a big word on the board called pneumatology. And of course, in the upper left-hand corner here, that's the study and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The study and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Now, the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you received the Holy Spirit. And when He came in, He came in to live forever inside of you. And He's referred to as the Comforter. Isn't that a blessing? You might not be feeling comforted all the time, but you have within you every single moment that you're saved, which is forever and ever, you have the Comforter. You have the Comforter. So this is what you call whatever you want. This is the first lesson. This is God the Holy Ghost. And what we want to try to prove to you uh, what we're going to show you from the Bible is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. So we'll jump right into this, of course. Now, we know the Holy Spirit's been sent by the Father and by the Son to indwell and guide the believer, but many people have a misconception of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that is, many Christians, uh, they actually believe that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, and uh, they are a servant or an errand boy uh, sent to give you chicken skin or goose pimples or make you feel warm and fuzzy or blubber and tongue, some unknown tongue, ostelashandai and tiabotai, which is absolutely false. Uh, you should know and you should remember that the Holy Ghost is equal to and in no way inferior to God the Father and God the Son. But many other Christians today, they reduce the Holy Spirit to an inanimate force such as electricity. And while electricity is a force, uh, it is completely devoid of being a living person. So we want to show you the doctrine of the Holy Ghost and why it's important. He is a living person, and if he's a living person, which he is, then uh, and equal to the Father and the Son, then he should be worshipped as they are. Something to consider here tonight. The Holy Spirit's name is linked with the Father and the Son. Uh, if you look in Matthew 28 real quick, Matthew chapter 28, you see that their names are linked together. Matthew chapter 28, 
and verse 19. They're equal. There's one God, yet three persons. Not a study on the Trinity, but we're just showing you that it's, uh, you notice how the, the benediction here is laid out, Matthew chapter 28. Now, we'll have to set a little bit of a groundwork, and uh, it might not be uh, super exciting, but once we get going, I think you'll see the blessing for it. I notice here in verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You notice he didn't say the names, right? He's given you a singular name, the name, name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost is what? It's the Lord. Uh, we showed you before in our study on the Trinity where the name of the Father is the Lord, the name of the Son is the Lord, and the name of the Holy Ghost is the Lord. So there's one name that fits all three members of the Godhead. So it's not three names. It's the name singular of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And so God the Father is Lord, God the Son is Lord, and God the Holy Ghost is Lord. Uh, the name Jesus is not the name of the Holy Spirit. The name Jesus is the name of the man. Jesus is the name of the man. So when you're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the whole part. You have the whole trinity there. Uh, when you talk, people, Christians talk about uh, uh, let us follow Christ. I, amen, I agree. But sometimes you have to be careful because there's more than one Christ. There's the Antichrist. There are many devils Christ, and then there is Jesus Christ. So God uh, the Father, He's the Lord. God the Son is the Lord, and God the Holy Ghost is the Lord. The name Jesus is not the name of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, you know the name of Jesus is not the name of the Father. And uh, I have up here on the board here, this study that we're, we're, we're going to accomplish here, and we're going to get moving into it pretty quickly here, uh, from a misconception of who the Holy Ghost is, come two great cults of heretics. The first one is Russellism, and that dates back to the beginning of the 19th century, which actually in a shirt tail study would take you back all the way to 325 AD with Arianism. Arianism. From that you have Russellism, and that's where the JWs got their name. Charles Taz Russell, at the turn of the century, he was uh, the founder of the, Watch, uh, the Watchtower Society. And then when he kicked off, then uh, Mr. Rutherford, I can't remember his first name, but Rutherford's his last name, he picked it up and ran with that. And that's, that's a miss. The reason the JWs are around today and they make all the Baptists look bad because they do more personal work than you and I will ever do is because they have a misconception of who the Holy Ghost is. And that's something you need to remember. The other group there is a charismatic group called the Jesus-only people. And since Jesus Christ said in the book of John that... Uh, uh, I and my father are one. They take that uh, to literally mean that there's no difference between him and the father. And so it's Jesus everything, Jesus this and Jesus that. No, it's three, it's, it's three names, one person. Uh, so that confusion in the Godhead gives you the two uh, branches or cults of uh, heretical sects a reason to operate. And uh, like I said, one operates under the false assumption that since the members of the Godhead are not the same, therefore there's two different gods. Two different gods. That's Arianism. One greater God and one lesser God. And of course, like we said, the second one, uh, the Jesus-only crowd, which is absolutely nonsense. Jesus Christ is the name of a man who slept, who ate, who got tired, who bled and died. Now here's the thing. God the Father doesn't eat. God the Father doesn't sleep. 
God the Father never died. Uh, he may speak metaphorically and anthropologically back in the New Testament, but speaking of the things in the language a man can understand, but the Bible says that God's a spirit. Uh, so therefore, there you got the two great uh, cults there, uh, so forth and so on. But I want you to see that the Holy Spirit uh, is a person. He's a person, uh, not merely an influence. And there's a big difference between an influence uh, or a pressure and a person who's putting out pressure. Um, on the far right side of the board there, uh, the Bible uses some personal pronouns in referring to the Holy Spirit. Uh, for example, in John 15, 26, Jesus Christ said, But when the Comforter has come, he, he shall testify of me. And then he says in John chapter 16, verse 8, which is the next one, And when he is come, he will reprove the world. Obviously getting ahead of ourselves in our study, but obviously the Holy Spirit has a job when he's here. He's got a job. And he's a he, he's a person. He's not just a servant boy. He's not just a fruit bearer. He's not just an influence, and he's not just pressure, pressure. Uh, in John 16, verse 13, the next one down there, the Bible says, Howbeit when he, he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. You see that? That's a he. The Holy Spirit is a he. In John 16, 14, we read, He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine. And in that passage there, John chapter 16, 12 times, uh, we find the word he used by the Holy Spirit himself. So I'm telling you from the King James Bible, the Holy Spirit is a person, not merely an influence. So we want to study God the Holy Ghost. God the Holy Ghost. And you have a couple notable exceptions, and I got them down here. Romans chapter 8, verse 16, and Romans chapter 8, verse 26. You say, what's the notable exception? The Bible refers to the Spirit as an it. The Bible says the Spirit itself uh, maketh intercession. Now that's perfectly fine because it's referring to the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you're referring to his person, it's always he or his. But when you're referring to his work, referring to the Holy Spirit as an it, it's perfectly fine. So you get these new translations of the Bible like the American Standard Version, uh, the Contemporary English Version, uh, the English Standard Version, the New American Standard, and the NIV. They correct the Bible. And they say that the King James Translator has made a mistake so in Romans 8.16 and 8.26, they say the Spirit himself. But it's perfectly fine, as the author of Scripture wrote, itself when referring to its work. But when referring to his person, it's always he or him. Now the Holy Spirit is a person, all right? And we wouldn't take us very long to prove that in a court. Uh, for example, the Holy Spirit is said to have power. He's, uh, we'll go over all these with Scripture. I'm just kind of just throwing them out there first. He's said to have capacity for love. The Holy Spirit has a capacity for love. He has a capacity for grief. Uh, the Holy Spirit has intelligence. And the Holy Spirit has knowledge. Uh, not only that, but the Holy Spirit has power. There's power in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. He can be lied to. And the Holy Spirit, undoubtedly, above all, can be grieved and been grieved by many a church member over the years during the preaching. Now, there's nothing like clearing the air by finding out what exactly the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Amen? We could make assumptions and uh, suppositions, but why don't we just look right to what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit? And I would uh, have these up here, and I would strongly recommend as your pastor that you look up these definitions. You say, why? Because the only way you're going to learn is by looking it up. The entrance of thy words giveth light. 
Now listen, I can tell you the Bible. Someone can read the Bible to you. Someone can preach the Bible to you. And yes, those are ways in which we learn. But the best way you and I learn is to open up those blessed pages. Amen? And find out what the book not teaches, but what it exactly says. All right, now first of all, number one. Number one, I want to give you his personal characteristics. The personal characteristics of the Holy Ghost there. Number one, the Holy Spirit has willpower. He has willpower. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, I understand that this might not be a typical Sunday evening, but I like, uh, I like the people of God to have their plate full. Amen? I like the people of God to have plenty of stuff to dig through during the week. And uh, I went and preached at one place over, I want to say it was over in Glenny one time. This was probably 20-some years back, and I went off, and I was lifting scriptures, and, and one, one lady says, you're going way too fast. <laughs> and you say, were you? I probably was. I have a tendency to move along pretty quick. But I'll tell you this much. I might have went fast, but I didn't go unprepared. <laughs> and so that's why we write some notes, amen, and give you some notes, and you can write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says, But all these work of that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. You see that? In reference to the Holy Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit makes the decision. You see that? So we're just going to touch on these, make a brief comment, and move on. The Holy Spirit has willpower. You just saw that in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He's the one that makes the decision. Uh, once you go uh, the next one here, the Holy Spirit, he has intelligence. Go to uh, Nehemiah chapter 9. The Holy Spirit has intelligence. You see, the Holy Spirit has to be a person. He can't just be an influence. Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. We'll move as quick as we can through these, and if we get done early, so be it. All right, the Holy Spirit has intelligence. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20, we read this. Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct them. You see that? An influence doesn't have the knowledge with which to teach, but the Holy Spirit is the one that searches the heart. The Holy Spirit is the one that searches the heart. The Holy Spirit is the one that knows the mind and the spirit because he makes intercession. He makes intercession. Now let me give you number three here. Not only does the Holy Spirit have intelligence, but the Holy Spirit searches and has the ability to know things. Uh, it might sound kind of simple, but when the Holy Spirit's a person, the Bible is very clear on the characteristic and the personality traits of the Holy Ghost itself. Uh, we just read it in 920, uh, but look at Romans 827. Romans 827. The Holy Spirit searching is, has the ability to know things. It's not just an influence, not just pressure. It's not just something meant to make you cry or feel good or bear fruit or, or blibber blabber and something you don't understand, which of course is foolishness. Romans 8, 27, the Bible says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. You see that? Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I'll read it again. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession according to the will of God. So again, the Holy Spirit has knowledge. Has knowledge. You're there in Romans. Go one book over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. We're talking about the Holy Spirit searches and has the ability to know things. The more you know about this book, and more here, you say, why is it so important? 
uh, to know about the Holy Ghost. Well, let me tell you what, the moment you got saved, you got the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Don't you suppose you ought to know something about the individual that's inside of you? I mean, the moment you got saved, at least 39 things happened to you. And I know we've taught through that a handful of times. And I know some of you taking notes. I mean, but does anybody know anymore what their salvation really came? I mean, it was a package deal. I mean, it wasn't just, I mean, the biggest one that we, we, we trumpet is, I got out of hell free. But man, you got so much more. Amen. And when you got the Holy Ghost, you got something else, man. I'll tell you what. Romans 8, 27, the Bible says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. That Spirit has a mind. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 says, For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man, which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man, here it is, but the Spirit of God. So the Holy Ghost has knowledge. He has the ability to know things. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is a person. I'm trying to make the concrete argument. I believe everybody here knows. But let me show you number four. Uh, the Holy Spirit has power. Go to the book of Acts. A familiar passage of Scripture to all of you here tonight. Acts chapter 1. Now there's nothing that will clean up a mind like a King James Bible. Amen? I mean, there's nothing like looking at the pages and saying, Thank you, Lord, for what you've given to me. <laughs> Amen? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. The Holy Spirit has power. The Bible said, Jesus said, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. You ever stop and think about the power that the Holy Ghost has? The Holy Ghost has so much power, he took a commercial cussing fisherman named Peter and turned him into a powerful preacher. And you say, well, he struggled. Yeah, and we all do, amen, but he, yeah, that's, that's power. And not only that, he took Paul, and he was a persecuting uh, individual, and it turned him into a powerful preacher. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you number five. The Holy Ghost has a capacity for love, a capacity for love. And uh, take your Bible there and go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, a capacity for love. You're dealing with a person inside of you. 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 30. Now watch this. Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the what? You see it? The love of the Spirit. That you strive together. Uh, you're right there. Go back to chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. The Holy Spirit has the capacity for love. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by who? You see that? The Holy Ghost, He has a capacity for love, which is given to us, the Bible says. Let me give you number six here. The Bible says, uh, uh, and, uh, actually, the, the point is the Holy Spirit can be grieved, can be grieved. And you pick that one. I know you know that one, Ephesians chapter 4. These are personal characteristics of a person, which is the Holy Ghost. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we read, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You ever sat there and listened to preaching and completely ignored the preaching and grieved the Holy Spirit of God? You ever read the Bible and the Holy Spirit said you need to change that, you need to stop that, you need to quit that, and you shut your Bible and you out the door with zero intent, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, he's a person. A pressure or an influence can't be grieved. <laughs> if it's a pressure or an influence, it will just pass. 
but the Holy Ghost is a person and he can be grieved. How about this one, number seven, the Holy Spirit can be lied to. He can be lied to. Look at Acts chapter 5. Now, very, very familiar passage of Scripture here. The first uh, five verses of Scripture, you got the, you got the whole uh, New Testament church is on fire for God, and you got a couple of uh, ne'er-thee-wellers, and they walk in and drop dead because they lie. I wonder what happened in most fundamental Baptist churches if a couple of liars walked in and they were still dealing with it the way they did back then. Uh, man, you'd have been dropping dead all over the place. Acts chapter 5, look at verse 1. The Bible says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You realize there's Christians out here today messing around, and they think they're lying to Jesus Christ, and they think they're lying to God. They're not. They're lying to the Holy Ghost. You see that? And uh, people, when you lie, you're lying to the Holy Ghost is what you're doing. And he can be lied to. And uh, there's three, uh, uh, three persons and one God. And the Holy Spirit is a person because why? Well, what we looked at, he thinks, he feels, he knows, he purposes, he wills, he teaches, he loves, and he grieves, and he can be lied to. The Spirit is not, uh, Holy Spirit is not merely an influence. For he has abilities. You ever stop and think that the Holy Spirit has abilities? He has emotions, just like you and I, which are foreign to inanimate objects. Uh, let us never doubt or insult the Holy Spirit. Let us continually approach him with faith and love and adoration. As we just read there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Paul said, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit does things only a person can do. Only a person can do. Uh, first of all, I'll give them to you and then we'll go over them in detail. First of all, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. That's only something a person can do. The Holy Spirit can speak. I mean, unless you're talking about your dog and he says roof and all that. But the Holy Spirit can speak. How about this? The Holy Spirit can cry out. The Holy Spirit can intercede. He can testify. The Holy Spirit's the greatest teacher in the Bible. Uh, the Holy Spirit, He leads and directs. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit commands. He's the one that gives the commands. He's the one that gives the directions. The Holy Spirit calls men to work and gives them tasks. The Holy Spirit then, once He calls a man and gives them tasks to do, He then proceeds on the mission to which He gave him to do and goes with him when He does it. And those are ten things which plainly tell us the Holy Spirit is not merely an influence, but a person. Because it does things that only a person can do. Uh, now let's go through these and I'll give you the uh, addresses and phone numbers, each one of them. Uh, number one, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I hope you can learn something about the Holy Ghost uh, tonight. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10. Uh, we're saying, number, number one, the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Look at this. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Uh, there's no computer, no matter how intelligent, that can find out anything about the Word of God that a man can find out through prayer and Bible study. 
I don't care how smart the computer is, there's not a computer around that could tell you what Leviathan is. There's not a computer around, I don't care how smart and how fast it is, that could explain the virgin birth. But you can through prayer and Bible study. You say, why? That's the Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. How about number two? The Holy Spirit can speak. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit can speak. Now, not unlike the charismaniacs and all that crowd there, he's not going to speak in some uh, Ashtalashandai and Untiabotai thing. But in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, you notice how he speaks. The Bible says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And since the Spirit is the author of Scriptures, what you're reading is written by the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit can speak. And I don't know about you, but I've read that book before. I read over there in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even to the asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let me tell you what, when you read that book, the Holy Spirit speaks to you, doesn't he? And you know what it says? He says, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> what about that? Don't you think you ought to quit that? Haven't you been hanging on to it long enough? And you're like, what in the world is going on? I must have ate too much pizza. But the Holy Spirit, he's not speaking audibly, but he's speaking scripture with scripture. <clears throat> Now, that expression occurs seven times uh, between Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, you say, what's that? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Seven times. It's the message given to seven churches. And let me tell you what, when you read that book and you hear it preached, the Holy Spirit's going to deal with you. And he's not going to do it in an, in an audible voice, but he's going to speak to you through that book. Why? Because he wrote it. Uh, let me give you number three. The Holy Spirit can cry out. Look at Galatians chapter 4. What a blessing to know that I don't just have an influence or an urge or some kind of pressure. Let me tell you what, there's days I've got pressure going on inside of me, but that's not what the Holy Ghost is, amen? That's uh, whatever it is. <laughs> Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You say, big deal, big deal? You know how one of the reasons you know you're saved? Because the Holy Spirit's inside of you and saying, That's it, son. You're my son, and that's all right, and your spirit's crying with its spirit, and it's crying, Abba, Father. That's a, that's a filial love. That's a filial relationship. The Holy Spirit then, if it can cry out, is a person. It's a person. Let me give you number four. The Holy Spirit intercedes. Intercedes. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. You are dealing with the third part of the Trinity, of the Godhead living inside of you. Now, the Bible says we have the fullness of the Godhead inside of us, and that's another lesson for another time that blows the minds of anyone who believes the book, how you could have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost living inside of you in each and every one of us. But the Holy Spirit intercedes. In Romans 8, 26, we read, The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Haven't you always thought that is an interesting verse? Groanings which cannot be uttered. I've always thought it interesting because it says groanings which can't be uttered, and then you got the charismatic crowd, and they want to make groanings which can be uttered. Right? You following me for a second? At least a half second? Now, when the Holy Spirit intercedes, it's in groanings that can't be uttered. So when they go around, all that stuff, you know, you know, hocus pocus, dominocus, well, that's not what God's talking about. 
Well, that word intercede means to mediate, to interpose, to act between parties with a view to reconcile those who differ or contend. You say, what does that mean? That you have the Holy Ghost inside of you, and when you pray, you know what he does? He takes your prayer, no matter what it sounds like, no matter what it looks like, and he, he translates the thing into what it should be. Listen now. And he presents it to Jesus Christ, who then presents it to the Father. I've heard countless Christians say, well, you know, I'm really, really not good at praying. And I get down, I just don't know. It don't matter if you know what to say. As a matter of fact, it's just the fact that you're doing it. Because you get down on your knees and you're like, Lord, uh, uh, and you're as sincere as the day is long. I need a million dollars. And you might be sincere, right? And, and the Holy Spirit says, no, uh, uh, Father, uh, you, you know that Evans doesn't need a million. You know if he got a million dollars, he'd never be a pastor. And he'd, never, he'd turn his back on you in a heartbeat. So don't give him a million dollars. matter of fact, give him a flat tire and give him a hard time this week, and he'll love you. Amen. And up it goes. But he intercedes. He's trying to reconcile those who differ or contend. Uh, and speaking of his work here, the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit inside of the Christian interceding for the Christian and translating the Christian's prayer into the proper terms of supplication before God. Thank God we have someone inside of us that knows how to take our prayers, rearrange them, and give them to God the Father. Now that ought to forever dispel the theory of, I just don't think I could pray. You don't have to know how to pray. You just get on your knees and go to the throne and the Holy Spirit takes that thing just like a Rubik's Cube and solves it in an instant and sends it right up to the third heaven. Isn't that a blessing? It is to me. Why? Because I feel half time I'm an idiot. I don't know how to pray. I'm just an old country dumpkin here, and I don't always pray the right thing. I'd be like David in the Old Testament, you know, praying that God would kill my enemies. Amen. You would too, you know. You know Lord, give my boss a flat tire. You know, I say, you know, and Lord's like, don't give your boss a flat tire. You just go be the right testimony and grow up a little bit. But thank God we not only have someone praying for us in heaven who knows how to pray. That's Jesus Christ on the right hand of God the Father. He's praying for you. But inside of your body, you have the Holy Spirit. Uh, in our present condition, uh, we have a vessel making intercession according to the will of God. You have someone inside of you praying on the will of God whenever you take the time to pray. The Bible says, He maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. All right, let me give you number five. Go to John 15, 26. Not only that, not only does he intercede, but the Holy Spirit, he testifies. He testifies. <clears throat> that word testify means to make a solemn declaration, verbal or written, to give testimony for the purpose of communicating to others a knowledge of something not known to them. But John chapter 15, verse 26, Christ says, But when the Comforter has come, go on down towards the end, he shall what? Testify of me. The Holy Spirit testifies. Not only does he testify, but in John 14, 26, there's number six, the Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. And in John 14, 26, Jesus said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. If you had any doubt whatsoever, he solves it for you right there. You see it? The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your what? Now, this is a very important verse for the believer. He'll not only teach you all things, but he'll bring all things to your... Now, I want to ask you a question. Can you remember something you never learned? You can't do it. Uh, this ability is also mentioned in John 16, 13, and back in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20. You're going to find through our study through the Holy Ghost that a lot of these verses are repeated. 
Why? Repetition. Repetition. After this study, my goal, my prayer, my aim is not only higher ground, but you see the verses and you know exactly where we're going to. And that only comes from line upon line, precept upon precept. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is a teacher that has knowledge. The Holy Spirit stores up knowledge. The Holy Spirit reveals knowledge. The Holy Spirit passes on knowledge. He confirms knowledge. And he calls knowledge back to remember after you've forgotten it. Every Christian has within him the fastest, most up-to-date computer. Faster and more advanced than anybody has ever made in Silicon Valley. You know what that does? It gives every Christian total recall at the right time. Total recall. It can recall to him what God has said, but only if the Christian has spent time finding it out. If you consider it a waste of time to study God's word, you need to listen just for a second. I'm not accusing, I'm saying something. If you consider it a real waste of time to turn the pages, if you consider it a real waste of time to read the scriptures, if you consider it a real waste of time to delve into the Bible and spend some time, and if all you do is sit around and listen on YouTube, Facebook, and things that are downloadable, and I'm all about using my time to my advantage. I'm all about, I love listening to history. But you know what I know? It's not going to sink in listening to it like it will reading it. But if all you do is focus on downloadable stuff and listening to uh, CDs or listening to uh, your favorite site, guess, and then you think you're smart because you picked up a few things, can I tell you what? From the scriptures, you're in trouble. But if you take the time, Christian, uh, for, uh, look for wisdom as you're looking for hidden gold and search for truth like diamonds and rubies as Solomon told you to do, and you expose yourself to the Word of God and spent time hunting and digging and begging and asking God to do things, which, by the way, 99% of Christians never have and never will. Do you realize then the Holy Spirit has a treasury from which He can draw all things to your remembrance? You need to stop and realize that the Holy Spirit can never bring it to your remembrance if you never read it and you never study it and you never try to ascertain it. You want to know why a lot of Christians don't win souls to Jesus Christ? Because they don't remember the verses because they never read them. People say, well, it's, I'm not a people person. You're, you're a very good people person. You have within your ability and your scope and your makeup and your aptitude to be person and employee of the year. But the reason you don't win souls is because you've never taken the time to look up the passages and ask God to show you the passages. And then when you find someone to witness to, you can't think of the verses for effect. Now that's worth praying about, brethren. You want to know why you can't overcome temptation? Because you won't get in the book and read the scriptures about uh, what to do with your anger. You won't get in the book and read the scriptures that has to do with your thoughts. You won't get the, uh, in the book and read the scriptures that do with your appetites and your will and your mind and what to think on and what not to think on. And you're like, oh, I just know I should be doing better. But you won't take the time to get in there so the Holy Spirit, He can't go get that for you when you need it and bring it to mind. Trying to help you tonight. Say, preacher, you're all fired up. Probably not fired up enough. But see, if you take the time and you spend the time and you search for it like hid treasure, uh, at the right time, you know what you'll have according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. You know what Paul said? You'll have all sufficiency in all things and may abound to every good work. You say, why? Because that Holy Spirit's a teacher. 
and he'll bring all things to mind. He'll bring all things to remembrance, but he's not going to bring things to our remembrance that which we have not learned, which we have not read, which we have not studied, and which we don't care about. If you take nothing away from this study, take that away. You want, to be, you want to be in the right frame of mind? You want to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ? Get in that book some more. You say, oh, I don't understand. It's okay. You didn't, God wrote that thing, man. Aren't you glad you don't understand that book? I read it sometimes and I get hung up too because I'm that guy that has to like pull every nugget out of the soil. You, you know how I preach sometimes? It's like, where did you get that, you know? I'm like, I got to get it. And I'm like, I don't get it. And I don't get it. And I spend time and I dig and I dig. And finally, the Lord's like, here you go. Bam, opens it right up. I'm like, ain't that cool? I'm up here acting like, yeah, I knew it was there all the time, you know. But you got to spend the time in it. You got to learn to wade in the waters of the scripture. And that's what the world, that's the world, world's against you. The world's, I'm for you. I'm not for you like the Holy Spirit is, but the world's against, the world hates your guts. And they, and they get everything, and uh, I mean, they do it first class, all the commercials, you know. And all those little uh, 15 or 20 second or 30 second videos are just, they just catch your, they just, oh, mm, ah, and just, oh, just another one, another one, another one. And half the time when you read your Bible, you're like, <sighs> and everything pulls us off. You see that? This book is never going to compete with Hollywood. This book's never going to complete with the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But I'm telling you what, let me tell you this, and I'll, I'll move on past this. You get in this book this week, stop making excuses. Just get in it and wade in it. You know that old Negro spirit, wade in the water, children. Just wade around in that thing. You watch and see if the Holy Spirit don't bring stuff to your mind this week. And that explains why the overwhelming majority of Christians in America, listen now, I'm not being mean, I'm telling you the truth, will never amount to anything one way or another. Why? Because they won't spend time in the Word of God. They won't spend time in the Word of God. Now, I don't care how hard the preaching is, how hot the preaching, it don't matter. I mean, you could be a bulldozer in your preaching and just bulldoze everybody. You can whip them with the book. And if the Christians won't go home and they'll not get in it and make it their own, the Holy Spirit can never... Bring it to remembrance. And when Christians get into trouble, you know what they can't do? They can't recall the scriptures that they never read. And then the preacher gets up and, you know, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you're like, sure, buddy. <laughs> okay. Christians can't give the plan of salvation because they don't remember the verses. And yet the Holy Spirit was sent to teach you and I and to call these things remembrance. And that sure is worth praying about. Let me give you number seven. The Holy Spirit leads and directs. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, the Holy Spirit leads and directs. Romans chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You see that? The Holy Spirit leads and directs. Let me give you number 8. The Holy Spirit commands. Commands, Acts chapter 16. Boy, you've got a precious Bible. Bought and paid for by the blood of hundreds of thousands of saints that refused to bow to the knee of Rome. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and look at it now, and were forbidden 
of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Verse 7, after they had come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. So here you got two missionaries uh, starting out on a missionary trip, and the Holy Spirit says, don't go over here, go over there. See that? He guides and directs. The Holy Spirit forbids them to go to one place and tells them to go to another. I've heard people testify before that they were going to go to church, so forth and so on, and the Lord let them hear. Well, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. <laughs> Amen. But the, the Holy Spirit, He guides and directs. He leads. And uh, this is God, God the Holy Spirit, leading and guiding, directing and commanding. And you know what? The more you listen to the Holy Spirit, lead and guide and direct, the stronger His voice gets. And the more you ignore Him, the weaker it gets. Why? has to do with that old man. The more you feed that new man, you learn to listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. And you know over there in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, you know that voice is still a small voice. It's not a big booming voice. It's not, Jeremy, come here. A lot of times it's so quiet, man, you got to get down on your knees. You got to get down on your face there and you just got to just stay there a while. And you got to shut the world out and shut your phone off and shut your TV off and shut your family up for a while. And make, lot, make lots of noise so they'll be quiet. So how terrible. Help yourself. You want to hear the Lord? The Holy Spirit forbids them to go to one place and tells them to go to another. That's the work of a person. That's not a robot and that's not an influence. Here's number nine. The Holy Spirit calls men to work and gives them certain tasks. Look at Acts chapter 13 verse 2. You are dealing with a person, not an influence. Hopefully by now, if we were in court, they'd say, uh, uh, you know, uh, sustain, and we go on. I'll give you just a couple more and I'll be done here. The Holy Spirit calls men to work and gives them certain tasks. Uh, for example, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we read that the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I've called them to. Notice it wasn't Jesus Christ saying, Separate me, Saul and Barnabas. It wasn't God the Father saying, Separate me, but the Holy Ghost was saying, separate me. The Holy Spirit calls men to work and gives them certain tasks. I suppose maybe if you knew who the Holy Spirit was, maybe you knew how He operated, maybe you knew just a little bit about Him, and you knew that He was bringing stuff to your mind, maybe He'd be able to give you some direction too, amen? I think it's a problem with the Laodicean church. Nobody knows who the Holy Spirit is. They only think the Holy Spirit shows up when they get feeling goose pimply. That's not the Holy Spirit at all. A lot of times, that's some unclean spirit. I know the Lord will use your feelings. But let me tell you, when it comes to salvation, He'll use facts over feelings any day. You see what I mean? All right. The Holy Spirit calls men to work and gives them certain tasks. He said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Uh, look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. He gives them certain tasks. Notice here, Paul said, the Holy Ghost, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, hath made you overseers. You know who made me an overseer? The Holy Ghost did. The Holy Ghost did. Here's the last one in our lesson here today, number 10. The Holy Ghost then proceeds to the mission for which he was sent. When God calls and directs men, in the instance of Paul, uh, Barnabas and Saul, he said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, uh, so forth and so on, then he goes with them. Isn't that a blessing? We, you've heard the preaching, you've heard the, the, the phrase, where God guides, he provides. Where God leads you, he'll go with you. In John chapter 15, verse 26, Christ said, 
But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Holy Ghost, he then proceeds to the mission where he was sent and what he's called to do, and he goes with you, and he's with you forever. Now that's the first lesson. That's God the Holy Ghost. I think you can clearly see through the King James Bible the Holy Ghost is a person. I didn't doubt it. But man, that's the nuts and bolts of that thing. Isn't that a blessing? I mean, there are 17 things there, just bam, bam, bam. I mean, just like fastball after fastball, and ain't nobody on the devil's side going to hit them. Uh, to me, that's a blessing. Uh, just to remind you, you get two great cults of heretics coming out of that thing. You got the Jehovah Witnesses, and everyone here has had the Jehovah Witnesses come to their door before. And that whole thing started because of a misunderstanding of the Holy Ghost. And you got to watch out for that stuff. And what a blessing it is that he's a person. He's not an influence. And the next time we're together, uh, Lord willing, uh, probably next Sunday night, uh, we'll talk more about the Holy Spirit's commanding, the Holy Spirit's commanding and how he calls men to work and uh, how he gives them tasks to do. And uh, when did, we, did, we, did we sing that song uh, this week, or last, Where He Leads I'll Follow? Was that last week? That's a great song. That's the Holy Ghost. You're led by the Spirit of God. And uh, we'll talk more about uh, the Holy Spirit being assigned a definite office called the Comforter. That's his office. He is the capital C-O-M-P-O-R-T-E-R. -E <laughs> and he's designed to bring you comfort. You say, why? We need comfort. He said, I'll not leave you comfortless. You know one of the major things we need in the local church? You say, well, according to you, it's to yell and stomp and spit. No, it's comfort. You know how you get comfort according to Romans chapter 15, verse 4? Through the scriptures. Those scriptures should bring you comfort. You say, why? Because the Holy Spirit's the author of scripture. And the next time we uh, get together, we'll also talk about the Holy Spirit and his emotions. You say he has emotions? He sure do. <laughs> Amen. You got a person living inside of you. What a blessing. And my prayer is that as I study this again, that I get to know the Holy Ghost the way I should. Amen. And not to elevate him higher than Jesus Christ and not to elevate him higher than God the Father, but as three persons and one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, that ends this on lesson one there. All right, why don't you stand?